as we've mentioned, Matthew 26. We go to the structure of his rejection this evening, the plot of the religious leaders in verses 1 to 5 and the preparation for the Passover, verses 6 to 13. So really, the main thought will be the preparation for the Passover as we move into this new section this evening. In chapter 5, that uh, we've just finished, we saw the king victoriously sitting on his throne as we come to the end of it, judging the peoples. The peoples that are left after a terrible time on earth. In chapter 27, we will see the Lord crucified. In chapter 26, we see the plan to kill the king and its development. And so we're really looking at this, the development of the killing of the Messiah, the murder of the Messiah. And uh, we have the prediction that we start with in verses 1 and 2. Let's pray before we start looking at this. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your precious word that guides us in the pathway of life. Thank you for the light it sheds on our pathway, the light that gives to us to walk in a turbulent world in a wicked place we are pilgrims on our way to the celestial city and lord we look forward to that time when we will be either resurrected or raptured and go into your presence and there forever we shall be with the lord and lord we thank you for all your blessings in our lives and in the lives of those that we minister with and minister to may you continue to bless For we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The prediction, verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover. That's what we read this morning in the Lord's table. The Passover being partaken of there and the Lord's Supper instituted. And the Son of Man, it reads, is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Cephas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, There came unto him the woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples, plural, saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this anointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wherever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done to be told for a memorial of her. And so it is. (laughs) And so it will be tonight, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world. So many will want to say, where's Mary when we get there? (laughs) I want to meet Mary. And um, this is 
A great blessing as we see this portion of scripture. We see, first of all, as I said, the prediction, the conclusion of the, of the Olivet Discourse. <clears throat> it's said to be so. And it came to pass that when he had finished all these sayings, when he finished, and statements like that, as you read and come upon them in the Gospels, are usually a mark of a change in what's happening in ministry or message. And this is a change in the message, is it not? From, the, from chapter 20, 20, the end of 23, 24 and 25, talking about the future, now it's back to the present, what was happening there and then. Other phrases in the Gospel of Matthew 7, 28, mention these things. He ended these sayings. That means the end of these, then he went on to another topic. It's like another chapter. In 11 verse 1, he made an end, made an end of speaking. 13 verse 53, he had finished these parables. When he finished these parables that he had been given, uh, mystery of the kingdom of heaven parables. And chapter 19 verse 1, had finished these sayings. And so here we find the same. When he had finished in verse 1, these sayings. The next time that he speaks to the Jews is still future. From this time to that time. Silence. You talk about 400 silent years before the Messiah came, the end of the Old Testament, there's 2,000 silent years for them, but not for the people who love the Lord, who believe on him. Um, <clears throat> so there's the conclusion of the discourse is mentioned when he'd finished these, all these sayings. He, you see... The revelation of God under inspiration of the Spirit was given precisely. That's enough. That's all you need to know. That's plenty. And you're flat out studying that in a lifetime. <laughs> Who can say, I know the whole book and all the intertwining of the whole book, the Bible? None of us. None of us can say that. Even the people that got the revelations and were inspired by the Spirit searched and said, what was this about that I just got? But... Praise the Lord. Even, even Paul didn't understand that the church was going for 2,000 years. He didn't, he didn't get that. I mean, that wasn't revealed. But uh, they looked for the Lord's coming soon. And he said to the, to the Thessalonians, he said, uh, don't think you've missed the rapture. And were, he'd been preaching that to them. And when he'd left, some fellows had said, had wrote a false letter to him. And they were becoming upset that we've missed something. No, you haven't. Just wait. Just wait. And so the, the, in, in, in first, Second Thessalonians, he talked about the coming of the Lord and uh, straightened things out and that we'd be delivered from that hour of temptation. That's another topic. But the conclusion of the Olivet Discourse is given here, and now he moves on. We see the closeness of his own death in verse 2. The closeness of his own death. Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. The, the, these uh, disciples were having some shock treatment <laughs> in what was about to happen that they didn't understand or perceive. This feast of remembrance was highly anticipated from Christ's earliest years and by the Jewish nation in general for many years. Since they had been delivered from, the, from Egypt, from the land of Egypt, they looked forward to that feast. Like, look forward to that time of celebration. Like, look forward to a time to remember what God had done. The church does a somewhat similar, does it not? On two occasions in the year. 
Christmas and Easter. We remember the birth and the death. Uh, we, we look forward to that as a time when the family gets to do together as it was in the Jewish nation, a time when they can remember something that had been done by, by God on their behalf. They remember this. Um, <clears throat> this one was hard for the Lord. He knew what was going to happen. He, he knew that he was going to be the lamb at this Passover. Though there were other lambs Shed, shed their blood this weekend, this Passover, but he was going to provide the blood to cover and atone for all the sins of the whole world. And this is what's so wicked about rejecting the Lord and his shed blood. Treading underfoot the blood of the lamb is a dangerous thing because he shed it for all people. His blood was sufficient for all to be saved. And people despise and tread on that and theologians mock at the thought of someone having to shed his blood for me. I'm not that bad. And that is dangerous, isn't it? And the Lord here was in agony of spirit as he knew what was coming in, the, in, in, in two days' time, as it mentions here. God will provide himself a lamb. He was the lamb. Uh, <clears throat> the build-up among the people of Israel for the Passover, it aroused memories. It brought history alive to the young people and to the older people alike. Uh, religious fervor ran high amongst the Jewish people. The priests prepared. The farmers got their animals to Jerusalem by the thousands so no paved roads, dirt roads. You ever heard of sheep or anything? The dust coming out everywhere. There was great anticipation at every Passover. You can imagine yourself being there. In the, in the temple, it was a hive of activity. The priests were getting their garments ready under, down to, on the west, uh, southwest side of the temple mount was where the priests were and Everyone was getting cleaned up and ready for the Passover. It was a great time, and <clears throat> this is no different at this time. Hive of activity. Traders were there prepared to sell. The money changers still hadn't got the message. The Lord had turned their tables over twice, but they were back in business with their tables, selling their sheep and selling their animals and, 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 and making exchanges for the the people who were foreign, who had foreign currency, all this sort of thing was happening there in the, in the temple. The inns were open and the inns were filled, we might say. So up to Jerusalem was a saying of the day. Um, <clears throat> rabbis were busy in preparation and teaching the people, teaching the young ones. You see, every generation needs to be taught, and they were doing just that. They were obeying what it said in the Old Testament. You know, line upon line, precept upon precept. They were sitting in Moses' seat at the back of the synagogues all over Israel in preparation. So the coming Passover is predicted there. After two days, the feast of the Passover and the coming passion is seen and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. The greatest ever betrayal. There was never and never will be a betrayal like this one. 
What do unsaved people say or think when they are betrayed? Even unsaved people, even today. You're a, you're a what? What do they call you? What's your name? A Judas. You're a Judas. They know what it means, even though they may not know the context of it, but it, Judas is the betrayer. <laughs> a battering, a beating and bruising and brutality that was going to be brought upon the Saviour, the Son of God, who only did good, only taught well. It's going to happen, about to happen. So Judas, who was stirred by John the Baptist preaching back three or so years ago, excited by the miracles that Jesus had performed, buoyed by the preaching and the popularity of the Lord Jesus, seeing resurrections, as we spoke of this morning, seeing people's eyesight restored, paralyzed people made well, those with leprosy were healed. He saw these things. He was built up. He heard the teaching of the kingdom and the parables of the kingdom. He was thinking it's coming, it's coming. And all the time he had the bag. And he was filtering stuff off. Taking it. Taking it as it is said in scripture. He was built up by the teachings of the coming kingdom. He had somehow become disappointed. He had seen where he, he, he would sort of say, do it now. Take the kingdom by force. Step up. <laughs> and he was looking for, he was about who? Himself. He was about filling his bag. He was about filling his position in the kingdom. He had become disappointed, disillusioned that the Lord had turned down so many opportunities to capitalize on his popularity. To be able to, with his power, just obliterate the enemy. Get rid of the Romans and take over. He should have raised, he, he thought, he should, the Lord Jesus should have been raised to power as the king now. And as someone said, the leopard doesn't change its spots. He was in it for what he could get out of it. He had wrong motives. His hand was in the bag, John 12 verse 6, that's where it said. The love of money is the root of all evil. And once he started stealing, it was easy to betray the Lord for money. For a little as he betrayed the Lord, he had increasingly got into the habit of doing the sin. And folks, it's easy to get in a habit of doing sinful things. And he was right in the habit of doing this. <clears throat> Some have said that it was back in John chapter 6 and verse 67 where the Lord Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood that started Judas thinking, what's going on? What's that about? And many went and followed him no more. But Judas stayed there. He was still filtering off the money. He was still able to satisfy his own lust for that. And he stayed there till this time when the Lord Jesus, he said here, the man is... His, the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Let's see the plotters. We see the prediction and now the plotters. The people in verse 3 then assembled together the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people in the place of the high priest. And so the people, who were these plotters? Heads of the priesthood. It's interesting in other portions of scripture that many of the priests got saved after the death, burial and resurrection. 
And uh, I wonder if any of the plotters that are involved here in this meeting were ones that repented and got saved later. The temple officials are involved there, and the scribes and the elders of the people, the leaders, the religious leaders, scribes and elders, the religious elite were gathered together. All these didn't usually, and I didn't finish that, I think this morning, didn't get on with each other. They were usually at each other's throat, but a common enemy got them together, the Lord Jesus. They were all against him, and it hasn't changed much today. <laughs> yeah, those that oppose the truth of God's word being preached get together, even though they don't usually get together to fight the common enemy. The common enemy in the future will be the Bible-believing Christian. And they'll come down, religious people particularly, on them. So we see the people, the place in verse 3, the high priest or Caiaphas's palace, it's mentioned there. The Jewish law said that criminal cases must be held in the common meeting place of the Sanhedrin, not here. Everything was done almost illegal, overnight, a trial, overnight, illegal, according to Jewish law. They didn't care about breaking the law, their own laws. But anything they could try to nail on the Lord Jesus to say he was doing it illegal, eating on the Sabbath or, or working or doing something, doing a miracle on the Sabbath, they tried to get him nailed on that. Here they planned and plotted the Messiah's death, presided over by Caiaphas. I wonder how Caiaphas is thinking now. I wonder how Christians who've plotted and planned against godly men in the past feel now. I wonder how, and listen, if you read church history, Christians, in quotes, who killed other Christians are feeling now. They're in eternity. We need to be careful about whom we slay in word or literally <laughs> wounding people anyway they're all together they're plotting and the plan verse 4 and 5 and consulted that that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him they knew they were doing wrong a subtle plan they use subtlety to ensure the Lord's capture in verse 4 a eh? consulted to take him by subtlety it's used in Acts 13 and verse 10 Doulos, man sounds like slave, the Greek word. It's used of Elimaeus the sorcerer, O full of subtlety and all mischief, the same word. And thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And this certainly described these people behind the capture and taking of the Lord Jesus. Full of subtlety, full of the devil and to ensure the Lord's crucifixion and kill him, and kill him, the Son of God. Now, it's all written in the Scripture as prophecy it would happen, but still they are held, held accountable for what they did in time. Um, <clears throat> and so the plan to use subtlety and to use safeguards in verse 5, but they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Who were they thinking about? Just like Judas? Ourself. <laughs> You see, they had just uh, 
seen the popularity of the Lord Jesus. They've seen him come to Jerusalem, seen all these things happening. And the, the, the crowds were behind the Lord Jesus. How, how fickle are the crowds? How fickle are the majority of people? <laughs> One day crying for his crowning and the next day crying for his crucifixion. And this is what these people were going to stir up, stir, stir up these plotters. So they used a safeguard. And maybe the popularity of the Lord concerned them and that would cause an uproar. And uh, we can say, who really set the date for the crucifixion? Who really set the time, the day, the hour? Who set the time at this Passover, this would happen? God himself, didn't he? I have power to lay it down, and I have pa- we said it saw this morning, and I have power to take it up. The Lord was in control. And he dismissed his spirit on the cross. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. And when the Roman soldiers come to break their legs so that they would die from suffocation, he was already dead and they pierced his side. Just to fulfill scripture, of course. <laughs> the Lord had that all worked out. In prophecy, every one of them had to be fulfilled. Um, <clears throat> just as the birth of the church was set down for Pentecost, the Paschal Lamb, the Lord Jesus, and his offering was to be at the Passover and all running to God's time schedule just as the future will too but we we have the world saying we're just a few seconds from the from midnight of annihilation (laughs) and now they're talking about developing more and swifter and smaller and faster nuclear weapons it's on again the race is on again it was halted for a time Mr Putin this week has said that's it done with it Mr Trump has said no more of that but um, we know they're not going to blow the world not quite up (laughs) they'll give it a shake according to the book of Revelation and Old Testament prophets but unless those days should be shortened God shortens them says no further (laughs) so Judas coming to these priests He just fell into line with the devil's program, didn't he? He facilitated their plan. He could lead them on their murderous rampage in a subtle way, in a secluded place where nobody was at night. Uh, The devil works in the dark, and he does. And so the preparations for the Passover in verses 6 and following. Now when Jesus was in in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, put it on his head as he sat at meat. And so the woman's dedication is seen in verses 6 and 7. Her dedication, her seeking the Lord. Where did she find the Lord? In Bethany, in Simon's house. And he, it said, is evidently was healed of his leprosy. And tradition says... He's either the father of Lazarus, Mary, and uh, Martha, or he's the husband of Martha, one or the other, whichever, doesn't matter. <laughs> but tradition says that. Uh, her seeking, he, she came to the Lord, found him there in Simon the leper's house. Her sacrifice for the Lord is seen in verse 7. There came unto him the woman, having the alabaster box. Um, <clears throat> what did she Mary pour upon the Lord's head 
the alabaster box. Very precious ointment of spinnacard. Myrrh imported at great cost and sold for a small fortune. It tells us in Mark 14 and verse 3 that that's so. And this is Lazarus's sister. What had happened to Lazarus this morning? He had, well, back then, but we preached on it this morning. He had been raised from the dead. And uh, <coughs> we, we saw that today. And so this was an act of deep devotion on Mary's part. Uh, Mary believed, being a wicked woman who was forgiven of her sins, he, she that's been forgiven much, loveth much. It was an act of deep devotion and personal love. When and where she got the money from, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say. <laughs> but it took a long time to save this money up. It could have been an inheritance, but it would have been shared by her brother and sister as well. But the, the woman's denunciation is given in verses 8 and 9. And uh, when he, the disciples, and I said plural, saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? Have you ever heard somebody say when somebody gives a good gift and a great gift to the Lord's work or the Lord's people and purposes, what a waste? We, we just mentioned before that Little Church of Mount Beauty is given $20,000. What did you think? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or oh, what a waste. I pray that no one thought what a waste because you're right here with these people. Um, <clears throat> maybe you heard somebody say it. Uh, <laughs> Who might have egged the disciples on in saying what a waste? It was one of the twelve. Judas? The cost of this, if you went, we won't turn, but in John's Gospel 12, verses 4 to 6, particularly verse 5, that said that this might have been, this was 300 pence worth, and a penny, one penny was a day's wage. And so it's a year's wage, the total wage of a person for a whole year. And so this was very extravagant, a great gift. And some said a wasteful extreme. And yes, who's behind it? Well, Satan, of course, is behind this complaint here. Every barb against the Lord Jesus Christ, every innuendo about leadership, every vote of no against decisions made, every put down on sermons delivered by the Lord Jesus. The old devil's behind them, but I think old Judas was there stirring the pot all the time. There is usually one or two or more in a church that do the same. They whisperers, they tail bearers, they circulate that and they cause division. There's a Judas everywhere. Maybe pretending to be a Christian or unsaved amongst the, the Christians. A, a wolf amongst the sheep, we could say, who do, does the devil's business divisive, disgruntled, diabolical. And we could cite examples, but I won't, of those who over the years have done the devil's work. And after decades, you can see whose hand was behind it. When there was a large gift given to the church here, someone said, 
who, and I've said it before, who is so crazy to give that to the church? <laughs> Thank you for crazy people. <laughs> the do give to the church. So who's the Judas? <laughs> Where's the leaven in the lump? And so they described her act of worship as wasteful. And I, you know, if somebody does that to you, if you give to the Lord, you give your life to him, you give to service to him, you minister for the Lord and his glory, and somebody comes up and says, what a waste of a life. What a waste. Don't believe them. They're wasting their life in doing what they're doing or not doing for the Lord. Remember that. It's not a waste. Uh, even a cup of cold water given in my name will have its reward. So for the preachers and people who have given their life, for the missionaries that have given themselves up for the work of the Lord, their life to him, it's not a waste. You see... As you look back, we, we look at it with a completed revelation, but as you think back there, as the Lord come to an end of his life, as he was in the garden we're going to see, and he was, as he was captured, how, how many was left? Nobody. <laughs> this is the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, ministering for three straight years, doing all the miracles, yet nobody was with him at the end. What do we expect? A great following at the end? Maybe not. Don't be disappointed because from that grew the church and all these things are remembered by millions of people and millions of people have come to the Lord. So be encouraged even though you're discouraged in, with the circumstances. So they described her act as an as a <coughs> act of worship as wicked. Verse 9, for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. <laughs> Hogwash. That's what they were trying to manipulate and turn, turn it to make, it, make her look bad. And so this is the moral trump card that they tried to use. And probably led by Judas, who had the bag. He was thinking of what he could, could have got out of it. And on the woman's love and devotion. How, if, and I believe Mary could hear. How would have she felt when they were saying this? This is, this is Mary that was rich in worship. How would have she felt? How do you feel when you've done something and somebody criticizes you for the work you've done for the Lord? And as the Lord said, there's no end of poor and needy people and causes in the world. There's social needs everywhere. You see, many a church gets to the point where they teach and preach a social gospel. That is, they end up ministering only to the physical needs and not the spiritual needs. The church is to meet the spiritual needs. And especially to the household of believers, as believers can minister in a social way to them. <clears throat> and if I answered every letter that comes to the church that you don't see for appeals for this, that and the other social needs. And you've had them ring you up probably. And won't you give to this person who is in this dire need and and, the, and, and individuals that come and try to get money out of the church. The last one didn't ring back. I rung him back. I put a message on his phone. He never rung back. He was stuck. Everybody seems to get stuck in Albury. 
between Sydney and Melbourne, and they've got someone dying in a hospital somewhere. <laughs> and, and you suss them out and you try to put the pressure back on them. <laughs> You're all, who, who is sick? How long have you been in hospital? What, what's their name? Can you give me an address? Can I phone them to see how they are? You know? <laughs> and they soon don't. They soon get the, the drift. You're onto them. <laughs> and Brother Gerald was a good detective. He needs to be around. <laughs> when we met that fellow at the train station. You remember him? <laughs> And he said he was he was between Melbourne and Albury and someone sick and had didn't have petrol to get and so we went and filled his tank up and bought him some oil. But Gerald had detected that see my engine's leaking, leaking oil and he tipped oil over the side of the dipstick area and it was le- dripping on the ground. See my engines had it. And and as all this <coughs> we went and filled up, gave him oil, and we left the station and the good lady at the fuel station, he come back in to cash the oil in and she said, no, Mr Jacob gave that to you and she took it off him <laughs> and never, let them, never gave the cash to him. But people, for money's sake, Judas's, <laughs> um, <clears throat> don't go by the social needs of people, go by their spiritual needs and if there is a need to be met socially, you Give, God give you wisdom to discern that it's right or wrong. And don't let them pull your leg, as we say. Don't let them pull your emotional heartstrings. And that's hard not to say no at times. Um, <clears throat> don't let, let them try to impose a guilt trip on you. Whether it be by email or front door or phone or by letter. And most of them are by phone. Unsafe people and carnal Christians put... Physical plight in the driver's seat and neglect the spiritual sustenance of needy souls. If they don't want to take a tract, they shouldn't get help. Come to church and we'll meet you there. And some have been game enough to front up that there was a chap wasn't there uh, about a year or two ago that did that um, on second time round. A third time round, there was a realisation that he was just trying to pump money out. Uh, few people grasped the burnt offering side of giving and the first fruit side of giving. The widow and the two mites, that's true giving, not just meeting somebody's social need. Meet their spiritual need. The woman's defence was brought out by the Lord Jesus in verse 10 when Jesus understood it. He said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. The Lord defended her, and the Lord will defend you. May he do that. Her superior devotion is seen there. And um, she had been put down, humbled, embarrassed, questioned in her actions. Um, As hinted there in the Lord's response. And the Lord's response, he stood up for her. And what a wave of relief flowed over her as she, she grasped and held on to the opportunity which was short-lived in time for his burial. And the spiritual discernment is seen in verse 11 and 12. For ye, have, for ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. What is the saying we use? Strike while the iron is hot. And this was it. This is that one opportunity for this to happen, and she did it. And she will be ever, forever remembered. Uh, 
This action of Mary made the Lord here confess he was soon to die as that came out in his confession. He has been anointed. He said, she has anointed me, pour this ointment on my body, verse 12, for my burial. Well, it's pretty close when you're pouring the ointment on and the burial is to happen shortly. You know, we can draw the conclusion from this deed of Mary, of Bethany, this one that had been forgiven of many sins by the... We can, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll finish that. We can draw the conclusion from the deed of Mary and by her absence from Calvary and absence from the tomb, this Mary, that she perceived what was about to happen as she heard Christ speak of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And by faith believed he would rise there again. I think she understood what was happening. Others were missing it because she was close to the Lord. She heard what he was saying. Remember, this is the Mary who worshipped while her sister worked. This is the Mary who had used hospitality for God's Son on many occasions. This is the Mary who knew Christ maybe better, who knew Christ maybe better than many others. This was the Mary who had informed informally talked to the Lord Jesus in her home over many a meal. This is the Mary whose brother had been raised from the dead. This is the Mary whose sister Martha said, Don't roll the stone away, for he stinketh. She may have been the calmest person in Israel at this time because she knew what was happening. She knew what was going on. And folks, the Christian that has his trust in the word of the Lord and knows what's going on, be the calmest person in the troublesome times that we live and maybe have to face. In verse 13, her special distinction is given there. Verily I say unto you, wherever this is preached, this gospel is preached, this story will be told. Has the Lord fulfilled his promise? Yes. (coughs) Her deed is written in scripture that shall never pass away, forever settled in heaven. And this will ever be preached until he comes and a memorial for eternity. Uh, Have we done anything that's of memory in worshipping the Lord? So often we get involved in the work like Martha, but not in the worship like Mary of the Lord. And we know what's going down. We know what's about to happen. And she was calm. She knew he was going to die. She knew he was going to be buried. And she knew he was going to be raised again. I believe that she did. And um, <clears throat> she had that faith, that calm faith, having been forgiven much. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this preparation of the Passover. Thank you for Mary setting a very good and godly example of one that knows you and worships you. May we all take on that example. May we spend the time to get to know you as we read your word and as we pray to you, seeking your face, Lord, and seeing you on the right hand of the Father, entering into that within the veil as we pray and having our petitions heard by the Father. Lord, bless us as we go on our way and seek for our spiritual growth and others around us and our family 
And may we be blessed by you and see you working in a wonderful way. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.